Welcome to the Aspen UK podcast, where we bring people together to discuss topics that matter. Hello and welcome to today's discussion. It's part of a continuing series on Leadership Insights, where we're inviting members of our Aspen Institute in the UK Alumni Network to discuss key moments of strong leadership they have seen or experienced in the last year. We're also keen to hear whether they've also learned from leadership failures. I'm Penny Richards. I'm the CEO of the Aspen Institute in the UK. We know, all of us know, that leaders face immense challenges. But we are also, most of us, I think, aware that there's been a paucity of good leadership in the political space, perhaps in mitigation the climate emergency space and in other spheres. So our lovely organisation works with a range of leaders across the UK, helping them to operate in a world that is becoming increasingly diverse and polarised and to recognise how this influences their actions and their decisions as leaders. We work with them, we hope we help them be more aware of their own values, more tolerant of others' perspectives, and perhaps even inspired to drive positive change. Today, we're joined by two thoughtful Aspen UK rising leaders, Scott Forsyth from the British Army and Alex Boulat, co-CEO of Migrant Democracy Project. Alex and Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to see you. Well, thank you for inviting us. Absolute pleasure. Um, I'm going to just go straight into the first question. Um, if you have learned one thing about leadership this year, can you articulate what that one thing has been? Alex, do you want to start? Yes, I think there are lots of things, but if I had to choose one, it would be the fact that I became better to admitting when I'm wrong and when I can learn from others. And this has been particularly difficult for me this year because we started Migrant Democracy Project this time last year. We're just working on volunteer time. Now we have a team, we have a proper organization going. And actually in this process of doing, you know, a startup organization, you have to learn a lot, a lot outside your you know main skill set and actually admit that sometimes you're wrong and seek advice from others it's so funny you should say that I have a little obsession at the moment that we don't allow our leaders to say when they don't know and it's it, it's somewhat similar I think you know we mm. people should not always have the answers and if they're wrong they should have the space and the opportunity to say they've been wrong without being vilified so yeah it's, a, it's an interesting lesson to learn I don't think we, we afford everyone that opportunity to learn it Scott so what about you what, what's that one thing you might have learned this um, year? I, I think what it, it's not necessarily a lesson, a new thing that I found out, but I, I think it's been absolutely kind of doubled down on this year in in seeing it with my own eyes on the kind of uh, journey I've been on. So I mentioned to you earlier, I'm, I'm in the process of leaving the armed forces at the moment. So part of that is kind of finding what sort of career I'd I'd like to do and where where I'd best fit uh, and what all I can bring to the party. So I suppose my lesson is there's more than one way to be a great leader. And that's um, really become apparent with the with the kind of the breadth of people that I've spoken to over over the past year, uh, whether that be exploring different career opportunities or indeed with the kind of Aspen Leaders seminars, seeing with my own eyes how different people approach uh, the, the topic of leadership and their own perspectives and their own approaches has been really quite enriching for me to kind of see that and kind of contemplate and introspect as to 
uh, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I develop myself uh, and kind of maybe take the good parts of what I see and implement it into, into my own style? So I suppose for me, it's kind of seeing and, you know, realizing and, you know, having demonstrated to me different approaches to leadership and how that can be hugely effective in different contexts, I would say. And also, I suppose if you come from um, an army background, you've probably seen a particular type of leadership, haven't you? It's quite hierarchical. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair thing to say. I don't, I'd stop short of saying the army in terms of its leadership approach is quite homogenous. I think there are there is there is latitude within there to 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 stamp your own sort of style on it. But absolutely, I think um, the army is one organisation with one particular output, and that is maybe more suited. I think it's fair to say to a certain style of leadership. Whereas we're like exploring and talking to fellow leaders in like the charity sector, for example, on the seminar or in the third sector or in politics, the, the levers and the kind of approach to leadership and um, how you kind of convey your message is acutely different. So seeing that demonstrated has been hugely useful for me. I'm so glad. So for both of you, what's the one moment of remarkable, excellent leadership in 2023 that, that stood out to both of you? Who wants uh, to go first? I was thinking about this question. I could have a long list of you know politicians that inspired me because apart from Migrant Democracy Project, I'm a local councillor and I follow very closely politics because I'm in politics. But then I actually thought that what really inspired me this year, especially with some of the challenges many people face with the cost of living and many other, I guess, both international and national challenges, is actually community leadership. So the person that actually inspired me the most is... Um, one of the examples is is this woman, Juliana. She was affected by the visa fee increases, something that affected her and her per family personally. And she set up a petition on the government website. It's the first kind of political action she did in a way because she couldn't you know, just have the right to vote in the UK. She wasn't involved in politics. And then this really grew into like a campaign team and now hopefully an organization. So it's this kind of like community leadership that really inspired me. People starting something on their own because it affects them personally. It can be setting up a food bank, or a charity organization or a neighborhood group to campaign about something but this yeah this woman really inspired me like when I saw her petition and the kind of you know the group that she managed to organize around her and you know now working working with us at Migrant Democracy Project but that's someone I you know we could see the leadership potential in this this person. Scott? That's interesting that um, yeah both Alex and I have both kind of uh chosen to talk about community leadership uh, as as something which has really stood out so my example and this this is not somebody or any one person that I can I can name uh, um it's for me it was the response of and I'm using this as an example the response of all the ordinary community members in response to the earthquake in Morocco in September 23 so I I I found sort of like it was a you know clearly a very very tough time and a disastrous thing to happen but I I found solace in kind of reading articles about ordinary members of the community um kind of taking it upon themselves then be leaders in a in a time of high stress and absolute need whether that be uh, coordinating supplies uh, coordinating blood donations providing translation services fundraising that sort of stuff I suppose uh, it's a well-worn phrase where people say necessity is the mother of all invention. I would go 
uh, further and say that crisis is the mother of all leadership. So in the time of crisis is when you actually see people stepping up to be leaders. And I really like this story because it kind of goes to show that leadership um, doesn't have to be by appointment. It's not for the, you know, the, the chosen few, the privileged few. Actually, for me, and I sincerely believe this, it, it is actually within all of us. And, you know, in times of crisis, it's, yeah, I, I love seeing stories where people, ordinary people that you would just walk past in the street, step up and actually become invaluable to their community. Um, and I, I think it, it, it kind of, it's a, it's a good news story about humanity, I would say. So that's my kind of takeaway example of excellent leadership uh, in this year. Ah, I'm really glad you said that. I think if someone had asked me at the end of 2020, how I would have defined good leadership, it would have been the same. It would have been sort of volunteers and neighbourly people that sort of stepped up during during the first wave of COVID. It's really nice to be reminded of that. Thank you. So have either of you been inspired by any unusual leadership styles this year? I, I can take that. So um, <clears throat> I want to talk about um, Dr. Shini Samara, um, who you may have come across. She's a mechanical engineer, uh, by trade, uh, but also a uh, prolific broadcaster, producer, author, podcaster, TikToker, everything. So she is the kind of things that she does is not unusual um, by kind of, I don't know, societal standards. Um, but in the field of engineering and STEM, it absolutely is in terms of um, trying to engage and land messages and kind of um, bring about change in perspective in engineering to to different audiences. So she has written a fantastic book called Engineers Making a Difference and a book aimed at kind of younger people called An Engineer Like Me. So she's really, really very passionate about kind of uh, changing perspectives on STEM careers to historically underrepresented groups. So women, minorities, um, particularly in engineering, that's, that's it's, it's always been a, a real problem. So alongside that, it's kind of shifting the dial of uh, public perception as to what an engineer should look like, I suppose. So she, um, far and above anybody else that I've seen in the kind of public domain in terms of kind of uh, media and content creation and trying to kind of... Um, inspire people i think she yeah she she's an excellent example of that um and yeah she, she's absolutely chiming with target audiences which perhaps uh, those of us in the stem community haven't been able to reach before so long may it continue as, as a kind of budding stem ambassador myself who would like to do more i could do a lot worse than follow her example of kind of passion and you know it must be said quality of her kind of content and her message as well i love the idea that a leader doesn't need to physically lead an organization or, or, or community they can actually lead by inspiration nice. yeah she's kind of pioneering i would say when i was thinking about this earlier like she's yeah she she does a great job and i think What's her she's name again, Scott? leading where she's leading where others will will follow i suppose in terms of the way that she uh the passion that she kind of speaks if that makes sense sorry just remind us of her name again i think what loads uh, sorry um it's dr shinny samara Oh, uh, on linkedin youtube and any any other platform as well <laughs> thank you alex do you have something similar someone similar i should say um not someone on i'm not sure if he's on tiktok though um but i was reflecting on the role that celebrities have in speaking about social justice causes and a good example from from this year that really inspired me was gary lineker actually mm. who speaking around migration and refugees 
And I was reflecting on like to what extent celebrities could actually weigh in like political arguments and big debates, whether it's immigration or something else or the environment, for example, or many other big debates at the moment. And I found I found what he was saying very inspiring because, of course, he was saying about, you know, his personal views. But of course, because he is in that celebrity space, it got a lot of traction. And I think actually celebrities speaking on some of those issues uh, invite others that perhaps haven't thought about the topic before to join in the debate as well. So I think celebrities do have a role to play, uh, especially if they want to express, uh, you know, their personal view on, on this to actually um, to actually speak about those issues. And often they are perhaps less constrained than some leaders in politics who perhaps for whatever reason may not actually say say what they think about a certain issue. Uh, so definitely Gary Lineker has been an example that was inspiring to me. It's not only the fact that he, you know, spoke about an issue that is highly controversial the fact that he actually you know expressed what his views were and defending defending uh, expressing those views as his you know free speech on the issue that was like quite inspiring to me oh, that's a really nice example thank you both really interesting um let's go negative rather than positive what's the biggest leadership failure you've either seen or perhaps experienced this year so for me um I would say the biggest leadership failure I've seen is the Spanish Football Federation. So you may be uh, aware, but if you're not, of the of the situation. So the Women's World Cup this year, Spain, uh, unfortunately for us, did beat England in in, in the final, and well deserved it was too. Uh, but the whole thing was overshadowed by the president of the Spanish Football Federation. Uh, forcefully kissing uh, Spanish striker Jenny Hermoso on the lips during the medal giving ceremony. Um, she then later said on her own Instagram feed that she didn't consent to that and actually she didn't like it very much. That in itself, to any kind of logical person, um, would be kind of cause for, at the very least, a sincere, heartfelt and public apology um, from the Spanish Football Federation. But that's not what happened. What happened was a kind of doubling down on wrongdoing and uh kind of victim mentality and very kind of defensive public messaging about this is all a conspiracy, you're out to get me, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and it took the uh, world football's governing body and the Spanish government to act in order for them to firstly apologise and then for the president, uh, Luis Rubiales, to then, be, uh, to then be sacked from his job. And I find this really sad because, um, one, it kind of flies in the face of something we talk about quite a lot in the army, which is servant leadership, thinking of yourself as the leader as kind of a, a, at the bottom of an inverted pyramid. And your your role and purpose is to serve those, in this case, the Spanish national team, with your actions and your words. None of that happened. It was all about them. And the real sadness is it, it deflected and completely kind of overshadowed the achievements of what is quite an amazing uh, Spanish national team. Um, and still, I would consider kind of pioneers of a, you know, fledgling um, sport in, in in women's football. So they deserved the adulation, which they didn't really get in terms of mainstream news coverage. And that's the thing that I find really sad, to be honest. Totally agreed. Alex, do you have anything that's equally disappointing? I'm afraid I don't have another example from uh, the football world because I already used the Gary Lineker in the previous question. But I was thinking like with more of my, I guess, my my political hat on in terms of like not only the, you know, the government in the UK, but and as well as other countries and how 
there's perhaps like less of an ability to maintain like a longer term and stable government in so many countries at the moment. And to me, that is in a way a failure of leadership. And it's not only like a criticism of the UK. There are many, many situations in which actually we see politics being more volatile. And what this means that if you don't have like a more, I guess, like stronger and continuous leadership in government is that it actually prevents our ability as countries to plan in the long term and to do like a lot of things that we have done if we had like a less, you know, a more stable leadership, so to speak. And I've been looking at how politics is working in other countries as well. And it seems that we are living in this period of politics becoming more and more unstable uh, in terms of many changes in leadership that perhaps, you know, if we spoke about politics, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, it would be quite unusual to change, you know, leaders, uh, heads of states or prime ministers so often that, you know, than we do at the moment. Uh, you might think, like some people might think like, well, it's a good thing because you bring like more fresh voices, you give the opportunity to people to, to lead. Uh, but on the other hand, it also means that uh, it prevents your ability to do many things, especially like long-term planning. Planning. interesting conundrum isn't it that we all suffer from i think yeah could i ask a, if we have time can i ask a, like a supplementary question to uh to alex's kind of point there and i absolutely acknowledge the point about political leadership um being a, a, a failing in the general sense my, my question is uh what role the media plays in this in that mm -hmm. they are immensely powerful in the in the public and political domain of shaping the public mood and shaping people's opinions and arguably shaping government policy and compelling them to act based on sensationalist headlines and and other such things with spurious agendas sometimes so could you argue that also particularly in the last five years there's been a failure of leadership by the powers that be in the media which is compelling the government to act in the way that it does thus instilling instability in our political systems Yes, I think the media landscape has changed a lot in the last few years. And, you know, if you look at, you know, giving the example of immigration, how the immigration debate has been handled, and this is probably one of the many causes of unstable leadership is because if you know if you appear not to deliver on a certain plan then you might be challenged in your leadership but and this is of course something that the media has a lot you know a big part to play in uh, but i think we do live in very very different political times compared to say 20 years ago um but it is interesting like how often governments or you know the leader within the same government changes not only in the uk but in also other countries at the moment as well you might use the word um, challenge, Alex, and I have a last question for both of you. We're facing New Year. What do you both recognise as both challenges and perhaps opportunities for, for the year ahead in terms of leadership? I think um, we, we've seen the, 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 the green shoots of it, you might say, in terms of good intentions and outline policy papers for tackling the climate emergency. Um, and I think the direction of travel absolutely is in the right way. But I think at the moment, if I was being cynical, there is an absence of um, strong leadership on the world stage to really take this to the next level. I think policy pledges and kind of glacial changes in uh, policies and ways of working is one thing, but actually getting into the business of tackling the climate crisis, I think, is a a 
kind of challenge for leadership. So I think that's a it's a challenge and an opportunity uh, in in the next year. But I think we've been saying for decades that now is the time to act. But I would like to say, and I'll I'll kind of reinforce reinforce this message again. I think there's been an absence of strong leadership uh, with those with important positions. So what I would like to see for the coming year is someone to fill that void. Yeah, I would agree with, with that. There are, I think, three, I guess, interrelated topics that are really difficult, like the state of the economy, immigration and movements of people in general, and the climate emergency, and all of those are interrelated. And actually, there's a challenge of leadership to actually th think about policy topics uh, in terms of how they overlap as well, not only as like individual kind of policy uh, topics that we have a certain opinion on. But I would say for me as well, one of the big challenges of leadership, not only political, but in general in public life uh, in the UK and beyond is around how representative our leaders are of the population, uh, as well as how we actually engage the wider population into things like policymaking uh, in general. And there are a lot of discussions around now, of course, around kind of diversity in politics and so on. But I think it's a wider question around to what extent the decisions that we take as leaders, whether we are in business, whether we are in politics or in not-for-profit organizations like myself, to what extent they're representative of what broader groups of people want to see in society. Thank you both. I'm not sure we have answers, but it's it's helpful, I think, to reflect on the problems we have ahead. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. What, what a great what a great way to spend a few minutes. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please do keep an eye out for our other Leadership Insight episodes on the Aspen UK podcast. And if you happen to be interested in joining the Aspen UK community, either as a rising leader or a more senior leader looking to embark on or continue your own leadership journey, head to our website to find out more about fellowships and executive seminar opportunities.